As we come today, the, the question that I want to ask is, do you believe in Easter? Now, that may sound like a simple or maybe even a silly question. Do I believe in Easter? Well, of course, that's, that's why I'm sitting here, right? What I mean by that is, do you, do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that 2,000 years ago that, that a, a man was tortured, walked the face of the earth, was crucified, died, and then rose again from the dead? Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Because I'll, I'll, I'll tell you something. You know, even his closest followers didn't believe it. They didn't believe it until they saw it. And so it's not that outlandish to challenge ourselves to say, you know, do, do I really believe or is there inklings of, of doubt? Um, I mean, think about things like this. You know, we, uh, we, we believe in the pilgrims and, and the Mayflower, right? We don't have any problems talking about that. We, we believe in events like the, the Boston Tea Party having taken place. We don't, we don't have pictures of this stuff. We don't have videos. Um, we, we even believe that you know, Christians were, were taken to, to the Colosseum and, and were thrown before the lions. We believe all of this with absolute full assurity and conviction. Have no problem talking about it anywhere any time, any place. But do we really believe in Easter Sunday? Do we really believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Because that's what's at stake. That is, and we'll get to it a little bit later, but that is the gospel. That's the simple gospel. The, the, the message of biblical Christianity is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so if you're not shouting and proclaiming that from the rooftops, uh, it might be because you may feel a little bashful, a little silly, or maybe there's just a little doubt that you aren't quite sure about the, the whole deal of somebody having been uh, born again. Well, not only do we believe by, by our faith, the, 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 the conviction and the assurance of, of things that have, have not been seen. But we also are very fortunate because we do have eyewitnesses. We do have people who were there. People were there. People witnessed this. Reliable witnesses. People who documented this event. Not only uh, men who followed Jesus Christ, but uh, historians People who were Jesus' enemies were there. People affirmed these events. And may I suggest that if, if you don't believe in, in the events that took place with Jesus, it's going to be really difficult for you to really believe anything like the Boston Tea Party or the Mayflower because you weren't there. You didn't see it. There's no recordings. And so you're going by eyewitness testimony and people wrote these things down. In the case of Jesus, we have documented testimony from 25 years after he lived. 
When you think of, of the Greeks, you know, Aristotle and Plato, when you think of, you know, the, the, the Romans, I mean, these are the Western civilization's greatest empires. Part of what made them so great was their history, that meaning their historians, their documentation. Um, the documents that we have from them, the original documents, usually we have under 20 manuscripts. And usually the closest date from the original is about a thousand years. And yet with the events of Jesus Christ, we have over 24,000 manuscripts within a 25-year period. There is no historical documentation greater than that of the life of Christ. But, honestly, I'm not going to spend... this Sunday trying to prove or disprove because you know what? We, we could have video, right? We could have video evidence. We have video evidence of planes crashing into buildings. And you could read books or pull up YouTubes and find all kinds of crazy different explanations for things that we saw with our own eyes, right? Um, we have a report that was just given, and you know what? You've got, again, about 1,001 different interpretations of a written document. So it's not about having something written. It's not about eyewitnesses. It's, it's not about video. Again, it goes back to, to having conviction in your heart by faith. And so, today we... We, we, we want to look at how disbelief, genuine disbelief by Jesus' closest friends, how it turned into belief. How disbelief turned into belief. And then we just want to look at a couple simple responses. That when you do believe, then you should respond a certain way. Then you should respond a certain way. And so we're going to look at... Um, we respond by going. We respond to the resurrection of Jesus Christ by going, by going out and telling others. We respond by the resurrection by preaching the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection again to others. Well, we're going to be looking at, at Mark, Mark 16. And as you're turning there, little background, Mark, maybe you notice in your your Bible, there's a, a, a notation there. And one of the things that we, we know, because we have manuscripts, we have documentation, is some of the early manuscripts didn't actually include this section. But every, every testimony in this section is actually cross-referenced in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So we, we definitely have affirmation. But I, I chose this passage because it was succinct. And because... I didn't want to get too lost in uh, too many of the other details. I wanted to kind of uh, focus on a couple things. One is, remember in John 19, 28 and 30, when when Christ is on the cross, he, he, he makes this statement. He makes this amazing statement. It is finished. It is finished. What's the it, right? What's the it? That's a pretty important thing. Well, one of the awesome things is we just got done studying the book of Hebrews. 
We just got done studying the book of Hebrews, and we know what the it is, and the it is proclaimed throughout the book of Hebrews. The it is, it's a better covenant. It's a better sacrifice. It's a better high priest. It's a better law. Uh, we saw in Hebrews 1.3, just a, a quick reminder of Hebrews. Hebrews 1.3, that it is the purification of sin. Hebrews 2.10 reminds us that Christ, that it is, he is the author of salvation. That it is, is salvation through suffering. Hebrews 7.27 reminded us that, that it is he would die once and for all. No longer would there be a need to re- repeat year after year after year. Special uh, months and services for individually for everybody for the forgiveness of sin. No, that it was, it was over. Jesus had died once for all. The it in Hebrews 8.12 is, I will remember sins no more. At that moment on the cross, 2,000 years ago, our sins would would be purified. Our sins would be remembered no more because of that event. Because of that event, Hebrews 9 uh, tells us that we would be able to obtain eternal, eternal redemption. So it wasn't just a temporary thing. It wasn't just a physical thing. It was a it was a fear, physic, It was a spiritual hope for the future of our redemption. Ultimately, Hebrews nine twenty six reminds us that the it is the substitutionary atonement that Christ did to put away our sin. It's a pretty powerful it. It's a it's a loaded word, right? Um, well. All of that happened despite, despite Satan really trying to thwart that. If you just look at the life of Christ, this is Satan's attempt to stop Jesus. Matthew 2, um, Herod attempts to kill all the babies. Could you imagine such an edict or order? I'm not sure exactly how old he is, so we'll just start at 2. Could you imagine that to the extent that Satan would go to try to destroy Jesus. Matthew 4, Satan tries a diff- different tactic with Jesus. Takes him out in the desert says, look, I'll give you all of this. He tries to appeal, appeal to you know, maybe his ego and, and, and authority of being a king. And If Jesus takes the bait at that point, then he doesn't die on the cross for our sin, then it would not be finished. We see in Matthew 16 that, that as Jesus is, is laying it out for his disciples, what needs to take place, that he needs to die and and Peter says, no way, not on my watch. I would never let that happen. You know, may it never be. And what does Jesus recognize immediately? Get behind me, Satan. Those are words from Satan. Satan would want to thwart the mission of God, thwart the, the sacrifice on the cross. And then finally, we see how Satan in Luke 22, 3 actually enters into one of Jesus' disciples, Judas to get him to betray the Christ. And so while the it was accomplished, there was was opposition to that. But right now we want to look at Mark 16. And we want to, first we want to look at this this disbelief. 
it's unbelievable as you read this that, that, that they don't believe. Verse 9. Now after he had risen early on the first day of the week, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene, for whom he had cast out seven demons. And she went and reported to those who had been with him while they were mourning and weeping. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they refused to believe it. Wow. Well, first of all, we see that after his death, that Mary and the girls go to to make preparations. Now, we're going to give her the, uh, the, 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 the credit and the benefit of being the first on the scene, right? But she's not going there expecting to see an empty tomb. She's not going there to see a resurrected Christ. She's going there to make final preparations for a dead Jesus. She, she's not on the believing train either. But she goes there and, and immediately she's in. She's all in, right? And, and, and so what does she do? She goes back to Jesus' disciples, his A1 right-hand man, thinking, hey, he's alive. I, I've, I've got to go tell them the good news, right? This amazing news. And what's their response? Their response is they refused to believe it. That means that they, they would not believe it. There's no convincing them. There's no talking to them. Not going to happen. They do not believe. Luke uh, 24 gives us uh, some more insight. In Luke 24, we see a little bit more into this. Uh, verse 10. Now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James. And the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. So it's not just Mary, right? There's a witness of, of ladies telling the apostles, hey, Jesus is alive. Verse 11, talking about how they refused to believe. And these words appeared to them to be as nonsense. They just, this is crazy talk. There's no way he's alive. And they would not believe them. Of course, our good friend Peter, verse 12. But Peter arose and casually walked down to the tomb just to kind of check it out. This is what we all love about Peter, right? Peter hears this as everybody's sitting there this is nonsense. You're crazy. What's Peter doing? He's running down the road, right? He's sprinting down the road. What a, what a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture. And he saw the linen wrappings only. And when he went away to his home, marveling at what had just happened. Fantastic. But this is our first glance at this, this disbelief that, Jesus' disciples, his main people, did not believe that he was going to be resurrected. Which is very odd, and I'll, and I'll get to that in a, in a few minutes. But we see the second form of disbelief. Um, 
going back to verse 12 in Mark 16. And after that, he appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking along on their way to the country. And they went away and reported it to others, but they did not believe them either. And so who's the, the them and the they? Well, we flip back to Luke 24 and we see this great, this, this just great um, outline of Jesus talking to the man on the road to Emmaus. Uh, Luke 24, 13. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were conversing with each other about all the things which had taken place. Can you believe what happened? I mean, Jesus came in on a donkey proclaiming himself to be the king. And everybody agreed that this, this was the king and they laid palm branches. And then the mock trials that are, can you believe the high priest? Can you believe Pilate? Can you, can you believe what, what just took place? And then we had a choice between Barabbas and Jesus. And not only did they not pick Jesus, then they yelled out to crucify him. And then the Romans, they came and they took him and they beat him and they tortured him and, and they crucified him and he's dead. And then they started to talk about, but you remember when he walked on water? Yeah, but the thing to me that blows me away is he, he rose Lazarus from the dead. And what about the blind guy? And I mean, you, you could just imagine what, what they're talking about, right? Verse 15, and it came about that when they were conversing and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. So they're talking about Jesus. All of a sudden, this guy walks along and, you know, he's like, yeah, it's good, good stuff. Verse 17, and he said to them, oh, wait, verse 15, and it came about that while they were conversing and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Now, Remember, we, we believe this is because Jesus is in his resurrected body. And he said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still looking sad. And one of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, are, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem unaware of the things that just happened in these days? I mean, literally, it would be like, you know, a couple of days later, you're downtown New York and you come across a couple of people and they're talking about the Twin Towers. And what towers? What are you talking about? Are you, are you serious right now? Um, verse 19. And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a mighty prophet indeed, and in word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our own rulers delivered him up to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Their expectations were the redeemer of Israel. When you have unmet expectations, a lot of time there comes disappointment, but that's because you don't understand what's taking place. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. But also, some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb earlier in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying, 
that they had also seen a vision of angels who said to them that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the woman had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, Oh, foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets had spoken. See, the the girls had gone and, and told these two guys, He's not there. He's risen. The angels told us He's risen. But did they believe? Did they run? No, they're walking out of town. They're getting further from Jerusalem. And Jesus says, you foolish men, slow of heart to believe. They don't believe. And and he calls them back to, don't you understand the prophets? Haven't you read your scriptures? Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter his glory? And beginning with Moses? And with all the prophets, he explained to them the the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Talk about a Bible study. Um, And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he would go farther. And they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward the evening, and the day is now nearly over. And he went out to stay with them. And it came about that when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and breaking it, he began giving it to them and their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us. And they arose that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. And they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. Jesus appears to these two. And despite some eyewitness testimony, they, they don't believe either. And these are men who wanted to believe, right? They, 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 they were so hoping, verse 21, that this was the one that was going to redeem Israel. And yet they walked away in, in disbelief. And it's interesting because Christ says, hey, wait, wait a second. This shouldn't be that shocking to you. Don't, don't you know your don't you know your scriptures? Don't don't you know that you know that the that that the, the heel is gonna be bruised and the head is gonna be crushed? Okay, maybe that was just a little too you know ambiguous for you to understand. But don't you remember Psalm twenty two? When it said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Do you remember hearing that phrase anywhere? Because it's not a common everyday phrase, right? That's Psalm 22. Do you re- remember Psalm 22 talking about how many bulls will surround me? Strong bulls of Bashan will encircle me. And that I'll be poured out like water and my bones will be out of joint. My heart like wax and will melt within me. And my strength dried up like a pot shirt and my tongue cleaving to my jaws. Dogs will surround me and a band of evildoers encompass me. They will pierce my hands and my feet. 
Do you not remember that? One of the things we should pick up on with Jesus and his interaction with the disciples, the Pharisees, and um, even these two men is there's an expectation. There's an expectation that, and, and, a, and a fair expectation that when you hear, when you read, that you're supposed to remember and process and respond to this, which should scare us because we have way more information than these guys could ever have dreamed or imagined. We have five Bibles in every home. They, they didn't possess the actual physical scrolls in their living room. They, they would have heard this. They would have gone to synagogue. They would have gone to temple. Um, but they were still expected to know this in full. Jesus is also referencing Isaiah 53. We, we talked about this on Friday. And Isaiah 53, 3. He was despised and forsaken by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore. Now, take a moment and, and, and again think, look, when we're thinking about the future hope of Israel. In this future hope of Israel, this person is going to be pierced. This person is going to be sacrificed. This person is going to, to bear our griefs. Carry away the sorrows. Verse 4. Yet we ourselves esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He's going to be smitten and afflicted. But he was pierced through our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The chasing of our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. And all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord caused the iniquity of us to fall upon him. You would think that this would be memorized, well-known. And as they're waiting for the future hope, of Israel's are waiting for the Messiah that certainly one of the benchmarks would be if some guy comes along and this stuff happens to him, um, maybe we've got something here, right? Because he, verse 12, because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with transgressors, yet he himself bore the sins of many and interceded for transgressions. And so you can understand why Jesus says, you foolish men, don't you get it? Don't, don't you understand this had to happen, but they had to have their, their eyes open. Their eyes had to be open. Well, back to Mark 16. Mark 16. And afterward, he appeared to the 11 themselves. Okay, remember, these are now two reports to the 11, right? The uh, Mary and the gals go and tell them. They don't believe. Uh, these two guys go. They're not on board. And afterward, he appeared to the 11 themselves. Watch the pronouns here. As they were reclining at the table. And he represented from their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, 
Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Now, because we will read different different gospels, sometimes we, and, and the reason why I'm going back and forth with Mark and Luke is so that you can see uh, that there, there are these, these different accounts. Well, we go back to, to Luke 24 and 36. And while they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst. But while they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit, he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Verse 39, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and blood as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still could not believe it for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? Most of us think about doubting Thomas, right? There was just Thomas who just couldn't pull it together. It was they who couldn't pull it together. Jesus comes back and they're still in disbelief. It's an amazing thing. Mary didn't believe. The two didn't believe. The 11 still don't believe. And then finally we see in John 20, 24 through 29, the, the specific example of, of Thomas himself who's like, okay, everybody's on board, I, I, but I want to put my finger in there. I, 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 he's, he's the last one to, to go all in, right? To really believe. But here's the, the, the odd thing, you guys. And we went through this a little bit on, on Friday too. But do you understand that before the crucifixion, not just Moses and the prophets and, and what had been written about before, but right before the crucifixion, Jesus was laying out the groundwork for this. He mentioned in John 2, early in his ministry, that if you destroy this temple, I will rebuild it in three days. If you kill me, I'll come back in three days. They should have maybe made a little bookmarker with that and said, okay, let's remember that statement. In Matthew 16, 21, and again, I mentioned Peter. He says, I must suffer. I must be killed, but all rise again. He tells them he's going to suffer, be killed, and rise again. The disciples should have known and hung their hats and clung to this, thinking immediately, wait a minute. He suffered. He died. He's coming back. The disciples should have set camp right outside that tomb, not really understanding how exactly it's going to take place. But if it's going to take place, that that's the place to wait. But they didn't. Just the night before the crucifixion, the night before, look at all these verses. Matthew 26, 12. He tells them that, that he needs to prepare for his burial. That means he's going to die. Verse 26, 18, he again says, my time is at hand. His, the end of his time is near. Verse 26, 21, he tells them, one will betray me. 
verse 26, 26 through 29. When he changes Passover into communion, the whole language there is about his body and his blood. Totally gets lost. Verse 31, he talks about how the shepherd, Jesus is the good shepherd, is going to be struck down and his sheep are going to scatter. When he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew 26, 39, he's, he's three times says, let this cut pass, knowing this is going to be a time of sacrifice. And in verse 20, chapter 26, verse 54, he reminds us that, and reminds his, his, his people that this must happen this way so that the scriptures will be fulfilled. And yet with all of that, they still didn't believe. They still didn't get it. They still weren't fully prepared. And so we need to understand that that took place. We don't want to be too hard on them. We, it should alert us to even, even our own Ability to disbelieve, to lose faith, to be a little shaken. That's why we're encouraged in Hebrews 11. Look, when, 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 when you're in your trial, when you're in this, this tough time, do not forget your, your brothers before you. They didn't have it so easy either. But you know what? By faith, they overcame and so these guys, the disciples, they got off to a slow start. And who's to say if five days later, one of them would say, hey, wait a minute. Do you remember what Jesus said? We'll never know. But what we do know is immediately their faith was shaken and they didn't believe. But, but from this moment on, they're all in, all in. And almost all the disciples Will, will suffer for Christ. Um, half will become martyrs. They will die for their belief and their faith in Jesus Christ. So what's our application? Well, what's our response? What's our response to the resurrection? Verse 15, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Did the 12 do that? Amen. They did everything they could to get to, the, to everywhere in the world, right? Verse 16. He who has believed and has, been, and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. I, I love how the Bible doesn't shy away from the from, from the, the contrast. Uh, those who believe will be saved. It's, it's simple. Those who don't want to believe will be condemned. What's the condemnation? The condemnation is you will pay the price for your sin. You will be judged. You will spend eternity in hell. Why? Not because of all of the sinful things that you've done. That's not why. Why? Because of disbelief. 
it's not a list of things. You don't see a list of, well, because, again, you gave so much money to the church, you were a pastor, you were on mercy missions, you, um, you know, have this impeccable record of church attendance. That's not why you're going to be saved. You're going to either be saved by belief or condemned by disbelief. It's a, it's a, it's a simple process. Romans 10.9 again says, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again. You have to believe in Easter. You have to believe in Easter. It's not an option. Disbelief is condemnation. Disbelief is condemnation. And so we're called to, to follow Jesus. We're called to do something. Do something. Do what? Do it where? Where? All the world. All the world. Everywhere. That includes Ravensdale. Even Selleck. Everywhere. All the world. We are called. Everywhere. To do what? Well, go to Matthew 28.19. Matthew 28.19. I'm sure you're familiar with this. And Jesus came up and spoke to, them, spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, doing what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So the calling is fairly simple to, to go and make disciples. To go and, and, and disciples is discipleship, right? It's the, the training. It's the process of sanctification. Strengthening your faith. Studying God's word. Baptizing is conversion. People converting to Christianity. Believing in the triune Godhead. It's the, the hallmark of, of Christianity is the Trinity. And then teaching them to observe, teaching people to obey. How do we know that you believe? You obey. How do we know that you believe? We see fruit. How do we know that you obey? We, we, we see the, the, the Spirit of God coming out from you, found in, in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, right? And we see this desire to preach the gospel. This desire to go tell others. Not casually, not slowly, to run. Why are we any different than Peter? Why are we not running? Not to Christ to find out if it's so. We know it's so. Now we should be running away saying, Hey, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what Jesus Christ has done for you. And it's not just for Easter Sunday. It's, it's every day. This is an amazing message. It's an amazing story with, with burning hearts. We, we, we live this. 
Stop reading about it. Stop talking about it. Do it. It's time to do it. We have a call to action. Part of what we're been doing and looking at in, in, in our deacons council and, and is not just formulating bylaws and not just being organized, but you know what? We are called as a church to have purpose. And, 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 and that purpose and that vision is a biblical purpose. It's a biblical vision. And so we're called then to go and to do. And what does that mean? It means the equipping of the saints. It means praying for one another. It means winning the lost. Ministering the word of God. Not only spreading the gospel here in Ravensdale and Maple Valley and King County in America, but all over the world. Any way we can. Why? For God's redemptive purpose. Because that's exactly why Jesus came. He came to seek and save the lost. That's his purpose. He did not come to destroy. He did not come to judge. He came to seek and save. And we have this, this great honor and obligation then with fire in our hearts to respond to the resurrection with belief. Don't live like you disbelieve. Live like you believe. Live like you believe in the resurrection. Because when you live like you believe in it, it causes you to do crazy things. Like tell people about Jesus Christ. There's a shocker. You should be excited about that. And if you're not excited, then you have to ask yourself, do I not believe? It's a good self-check. It's okay. It's okay to have some doubts, but it's not okay to stay there. It's not okay to stay there. And you have full accountability. Everybody in this room is completely and fully accountable to God to follow and obey. And it's finished. All the work has been done. Christ died on the cross for our sins. He died, he's buried, and he rose again. Now it's just a matter of belief. Let's pray.